it all comes back to that trust and relationship deal, right? So, you know, for us, um, being able to uh, clearly define what players need work at, even in the recruiting process, uh, I think is extremely important. And then being able to deliver on those things, um, you know, on those items that they need work at and being able to come up with a distinct plan that can actually help them. Um, you know, whether it's showing stats, whether it's showing film, whether it's showing some comparison, even though I don't love to do that, uh, but more just being able to be able to tell a, a young man who's developing still in every way, here is what's going to take you from point A to point B, and here is what's going to take, and here's the plan we have in place for you to get there. Welcome to the Coaches Club Podcast, powered by Transform Sport where we believe great coaches transform lives, athletes deserve great coaches, and coaches deserve great training. I'm your host, Luke Gromer, and every week we're bringing you conversations with coaches and leaders in sport that will help you grow as an effective teacher and transformational leader so that you and your team can reach your potential. Coaches, I'm excited to welcome Coach Adam Cohen to the podcast. Coach Cohen is the associate head coach for Stanford men's basketball. He's entering his sixth season at Stanford and has over a decade of experience coaching college basketball. He's built his reputation on his ability to develop players. In our conversation today, we talk about how to make yourself a valuable assistant, connecting with and building trust with athletes, Stanford's men's basketball culture, and effective player development. If you enjoy the episode and want a copy of the podcast notes, go to coachesclubpod.com or click the link in the show details. Then just drop your email in the form and you can get instant access to the notes from this episode or any episode of the podcast. And as a bonus, I'll email you a link to my entire library of coaching notes, which contains detailed notes on books like The Culture Code and The Coach's Guide to Teaching. And if you're interested in learning more about what we offer coaches, the book clubs, cohorts, or the community, just check out the show details for links to learn more about all of those. Now to my conversation with Coach Adam Cohen. Enjoy the episode. Coaches, really excited to welcome Adam Cohen to the podcast today. Uh, coach Cohen is the associate head coach for Stanford men's basketball. Uh, really excited to talk with him today about being an assistant coach uh, and some other topics. So, uh, Coach, let's start there. Will you tell me your thoughts on how coaches can make themselves a valuable assistant coach? Yeah, no, for sure. And thanks for having me. Really appreciate being on and hopefully I can help anybody uh, with anything. So I would say, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to work for some great head coaches um, from Lute Olson and Kevin O'Neill to uh, Ben Braun, Joe Pasternak, Tommy Amaker, um, Kevin Stallings, now Jared Haas. It's been a fun ride for me to learn how different head coaches um, work and learn from and everything else. So, you know, number one thing is you got to be loyal to them, obviously. Um, That means a lot of different things. And I think, you know, loyalty is a two-way street, but it's something where you want to obviously do what's right for the program at all times. And you have their back in every single way, whether it's with players, alumni, fan, whatever it may be. Um, Bottom line is we're all trying to do the same thing and you got coaches back always. And that's something uh, I learned at a young age. Um, And I think the other part is that I think you have to know that 
your head coach's success absolutely matters to you, right? It's not about you um, or anything like that. It's, it's about our success as a group and that you actually care about the success of your head coach. I think there's so much value to that. Um, I think you can help your head coach, you know, so many ways, but probably the biggest way outside of those two would be to just positively impact the minds of the players that you have, right? How can you get them in a good mental state where when coaches run in practice, they're in a good place where they can get the most out of themselves and we can be the best version of ourselves for our team. Um, I think those are great ones. Uh, in college, you know, you have to be able to recruit for your head coach. So, you know, for me, recruiting for Jared Haas may be a different type of player than it is for Kevin Stallings, for instance. And you have to learn what type of player your head coach uh, likes to coach and, and does well with. And I think that's a huge thing for assistants to figure out. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Some good insights there. A, a couple of things I want to uh, go a little deeper on. Here's Here's the first one. You know, I'm, I'm assuming that you aspire to be a head coach someday. And I think most, most coaches do not all how, how do you balance aspiring to be a head coach at some point, I'm assuming with being present and embracing your current role as an assistant. Yeah, that's a great question. I think in the past I've struggled with that, honestly. Um, but at the end of the day, um, we all know that the best way for us to potentially move up one day is to have success in our current role, whether it's in recruiting, whether it's in development, whether it's in obviously just winning games. So I think being able to stay present on the task at hand, finding out what's most important to us now um, is always going to be the priority, right? And, and I think it always it also comes back to why did you get into coaching? Is it to become a head coach? That's part of it, sure. But it's more so to help develop you know, our guys and put them in a place um, where they can succeed and develop them into, you know, from college age freshmen into men who can go out and attack this world, whether it's on the court or in business or whatever it may be. So I think it's always keeping things in perspective, which is not always easy to do these days. Yeah, absolutely. That's valuable. Another thing you talked about as far as uh, being an assistant coach was your ability to impact the players maybe in a different way than the head coach and prepare those players for practice or whatever it may be. I would just love for you to talk a little bit more about that as far as what are the unique, what are the unique pieces of being an assistant when it comes to having relationships with the players that maybe you, you get to have these aspects of the relationship as an assistant that you don't as a head coach. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think, you know, these days players always need relationships with a lot of people and they're impacted and influenced by a lot of people. Um, so as a college coach, obviously the message that you bring to your players is hopefully what they're going to listen to and believe in. Um, and I think we're always working towards, you know, hitting that as close as you possibly can. Um, I think it, there's so much to it. Uh, spending time with the guys to earn trust, getting them to know my family, getting them over to our house, going out to meals with them, spending time in our office, just watching film. All of these things matter. Um, I would much rather 
that it all comes down to how much you know them and how much they care, how much you know, how much they know you care about them as people at the end of the day. How do you show that? You show that by spending time with them, you show that by investing in them, you show that by um, truly caring about their well being. Uh, if they're sick, are you going to be there for them? Or, you know, are you just going to, you know, send them a text and say, hope you're doing well? Like, are you actually going to go check on them? Are you going to go to a meal with them when you know they're struggling and you've got to try to get something out of them to get them to talk? Because very few guys want to talk, you know, these days. They just want to hold it in and let everybody else try to help them through it. And, and I think every player is different with how um, much they want to build relationships. But at the end of the day, I think we all know that to have the best form of relationships and team building, we got to be close. We got to be able to um, uncover things that are under the hood, not the norm of what you see every day, but like, what are they actually, how are they wired? What do they actually care about? Uh, and the only way you can do that is by learning more about them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think a lot of coaches struggle with connecting and building trust with this generation of athlete oftentimes because of maybe the effects that social media and technology, just, just the way kids and young adults are growing up now. Talk to me about what that's been like for you and maybe, yeah. How have you had to adjust or approach building those relationships and earning that trust with this generation of athlete? Yeah. Um, I think it's something that's continuing to ongo and be, you know, trying to improve on. I think we all are improving on that day by day. It's definitely at the forefront of all of our minds. Um, at the end of the day, at the, if we win a game, our players are going to see on Twitter or Instagram, the comments that are extremely positive. And if we lose a game, they're going to be attacked by a number of people, or they'll be saying coach did this wrong. And you know, that's how their workout guy back home is and everything else. So at the end of the day, um, and we say this all the time to our guys, you got to be where your feet are. You got to stay in the present. You got to be able to focus on the now, focus on what the task at hand. And if you are able to focus on the task at hand, all those outside expectations, outside influences that really aren't going to matter, hopefully will be lessened in terms of their value. And um, I think it's it's really difficult to get players to understand that concept. Um, but it's something that every team and every staff is going to continue to fight day in, day out. Um, at the end of the day though, like your ability to focus on not the external expectations, but focus on the internal process going on in your program, the day in, day out actual work, uh, not what anybody says about you, not what you expect to be, but the actual true what is going on on that practice court what is going on at 10 o'clock at night when you're in the gym by yourself and no one's there to watch you are you actually putting the time and the work in to earn what you want to earn that's where it's going to the expectations that you want to meet are going to be hit um, so just try to focus on the the task and the process and your work and your habits way more than any external expectation yeah yeah that's really good and as you were just talking about post game for you know the athletes that you're coaching, especially at a program that is a division one program that's in the spotlight for a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds to have to, you know, deal with the social media reaction, good and bad. Like that's, that's just gotta be so challenging one for them, you know, just 
like as they're still not like fully developed young men and, and they're experiencing that, but then also too, as coaches, like you talked about, like <laughs> trying to keep them focused on the right messages when there's so much noise on their phone in front of them all the time. I, yeah, I just, that's gotta be so challenging. That's where that trust has to come in. And that's where the real communication has to occur is, is we're expecting that to happen. And you know what? We're not going to let that affect us. What we're going to allow that to do is we're going to stay working. We're going to just keep putting our head down and keep grinding and, and doing the right thing and be there for each other because we care about each other, because we have that culture and expectations and standards in place. Um, that's what it takes. And that's where all of the work you put in going leading up to a game, whether it's on the practice court, in a team meeting situation, in a team building situation, in conditioning, all of these things are supposed to bring it together where you can earn that trust. So all the external noise hopefully isn't as much of an impact as it would be otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. So much of what you're talking about just sounds like, yeah, you've got to have a strong culture in place to yeah, keep everyone tethered together and, and moving in the same direction. So I'd love to just know a little bit about that and, and your guys' program at Stanford. Um, how, how do you, what is your culture? How do you build it? How do you build it? Maybe even like, what are some of the practical things you do with your team to bring it to life for your players? Yeah, that, it's a great question. Um, and I've been a part of some great cultures and ways for me as a young coach to learn how to build a culture. When we first got here five years ago, coach Haas, our, our head coach was the head coach at UAB in Birmingham, Alabama. He had a great success over a four year stretch. And before that he was with Roy Williams as a player for and coach for a number of years. Um, they did extremely well as a, uh, <clears throat> you know, won national championships in North Carolina. And then he was able to get the job at UAB and when he got here, you know, we were trying to come up with core values and it took us, it took him a long time to determine what we wanted our program to be about because the core values at Stanford may be a little different than the core values at UAB or UAB to North Carolina. It could all change based on where you are, who you're dealing with, whatever it may be. And at Stanford, you know, in this day and age with the transfer portal, uh, most teams are going team by team, year by year. They're not really building a program. We're not doing much of that. We're really trying to build a program where year in, year out, we may have seniors graduate, move on. We may have a guy here and there leave early and go to the draft, maybe an occasional transfer in or out, but very rarely. So we wanted to really build a program that would last over time, that our culture could kind of take place over time, which is more unique nowadays than other programs. And what we came up with was our three core values were invested, tough, and selfless. Um, and ITS, we got logos, we got shirts made, you know, and, and I don't want to make it known that these words are just words. We try to live these as our values, right? And uh, it's not just words on a wall. It's not just letters on a shirt. It's we really try to define what each means and show examples of everything. So with Invested, um, 
can mean a lot of things. Everything from how invested are you in your teammates? Um, do you know their brothers and sisters' names? Do you know my dog's name? Do you know my wife's name? Are you going to come over to my house and get to know me? Um, are you investing in your own game? Are you getting your shots up on, you know, on your own? How much do you actually care about winning? How much do you actually care about your academics? There's just so many different examples. And one way we were able to learn about this, um, we did a, every year we do a bio night where one player has another player or one player has a coach. And basically you give a presentation on that player, their background, um, the hardest thing they've been through, uh, their family, so on and so forth, you know, and, and it becomes a 10 or 15 minute conversation. Uh, and we learn things that we never would have known about, you know, during the recruiting process about our guys. And it really, it, it puts us in a position to, uh, want become more invested in each other and and i think that goes hand in hand becoming more invested in the program because you care more about each other and then tough um obviously tough means so many things right for us at stanford being a high academic school it can be everything from you know you take a really hard final at two o'clock in the afternoon and then you got to play ucla at seven o'clock that night how are you going to respond to it are you mentally drained or are you able to overcome it and we use that as an example. We also obviously use uh, the conditioning part and willing to fight through adversity. Um, what does it take to break you? That kind of mentality we look at with toughness. And we'll do a number of team exercises to highlight that. And then selfless, um, you know, are you willing to give yourself up for the team? How much do you care about each other? We do feel strongly that we have, we're trying to build a bond that cannot be broken by one individual. We want to do it as a group. And that goes hand in hand with the program building more so than the just building a team in one year. So um, we try to really get guys to believe in our core values and then find a way to have those behave, have those become behaviors um, in terms of how they act all the time. And then at the end of the day, we bring them all together and that's kind of the culture we create. Yeah, that's good. I, I like that. And like you said, it's, it's about trying to, to take those values and, and make them become behavioral habits. And I think you mentioned at the beginning that you show guys examples of those. So are you talking about like you're showing them maybe video examples from your game of where you guys are like highlighting, Hey, this is, this is an example of one of our core values or are you sharing stories like things outside of your team? Like what are some of the ways that you're providing more specific examples of the kind of behaviors that align with your values? Yeah, for sure. So I think the best way is through actions, right? Whether that bio night exercise is a great one to show the investment or just spending time um, shows how invested you are in each other. Uh, but also, you know, we'll do everything from film montages of, diving on the floor for loose balls. Our head coach, Coach Haas, actually wrote a book called Floor Burns while a student at Kansas as an academic All-American, played on great teams at Kansas, and he wrote a book called Floor Burns. And so we value you know, those floor burns. We'll have highlight videos that are going on and on in the locker room about taking charges and floor burns. That'll really highlight the toughness core value we have. Um, the selfless one, I mean, there's so many different ways, whether it's doing certain forms of community service, um, to, to, you know, inviting sort of some of the workers around our gym, you know, to practice to an honorary captain. And we're inviting an underprivileged family. Um, so many different things like that, this show and, and for us to like really live out the core values in a different way. Yeah, that's good. That's powerful. Shifting a little bit 
uh, into player development. I know this is one of the things that that you're held in high regard for your ability to to develop players. And so, the first thing I would love to know is just talk about the importance of transparency and honesty with players through a player development process. Yeah. You know, it all comes back to that trust and relationship deal. Right. So, you know, for us um, being able to uh, clearly define what players need work at, even in the recruiting process, uh, I think is extremely important. And then being able to deliver on those things, um, you know, on those items that they need work at and being able to come up with a distinct plan that can actually help them. Um, you know, whether it's showing stats, whether it's showing film, whether it's showing some comparison, even though I don't love to do that, uh, but more just being able to be able to tell a, a young man who's developing still in every way, here is what's going to take you from point A to point B. And here is what's going to take. And here's the plan we have in place for you to get there. Yeah. You said that that's something you're honest with about recruits. I can imagine that not everyone would do that with recruits. I'm sure everyone's telling recruits, hey, we're going to come here and get you better. But tell, tell me more about that. Like, are you, are you watching film of some of these recruits and saying like, hey, really honestly, like, here's where your game isn't great yet. And this is what we would do to take you to this place. Yeah, I think. So in recruiting, uh, obviously, there are certain kids and families that only want to be told all the good things about them, right? And you're going to do this, this, and this, and here's what we expect out of you and all of that. I have felt that the best players we have had want to hear the criticism and actually can take it and understand that we have a plan to help them improve on their you know, issues, whatever they may be, their, their weaknesses. Um, we try to be really upfront with what their weaknesses are and then show that we do have a distinct like game plan for improving them. If the kid needs to get stronger and gain 15, 20 pounds, all right, here's what we're going to do. Here's the process it's going to look like. Um, and we're going to talk through that. If a kid needs to revamp his jump shot, obviously here's some guys that we've done it with. Here's how it can help you do this better. Um, at the same time, you know, highlighting their strengths as well. Otherwise we wouldn't be recruiting them. Um, but I think it's it's important for them to know that they're not a complete player. Nobody is when they're first coming to college. Um, and even if you are the best player in the country, we still have a lot of work to do. Yeah, that's good. And and like you said, it sounds like the the players that have had the most success have been those players that want to grow, are open to growing. Kind of continuing on the topic of player development, I would love to know your thoughts on and and how really you develop your players' decision-making as part of their player development. You know, I think it's easy for coaches to think player development and think isolated skill work, but I think it's player development's a lot more complex than that. So would you talk about how you're developing players' decision-making? Yeah, I think it's, it is very difficult. It's probably the hardest thing um, to coach is getting guys who maybe don't have um, a great feel for how to do things to be able to react differently. The game of basketball moves so quickly, right? One end to the other ball hits your hands. You have less than a second to decide if you're going to shoot it, pass it or drive it. Um, and even 
if you make the right decision, then you hopefully have enough skill work in that your technical part of those things are going to be right anyway. You know, it's your shot, the perfect form. Um, are you able to do it under duress? So how do you teach that? The way I, I, I think we've really studied this, and I think it's something that we spend a lot of time learning about, make the situation as game-like in terms of spacing purposes as possible. So if it's a, if it's a normal one person in your workout, just the player in a shooting drill, have coaches out there where they have to react to how the coach is guarding them, um, make it as game-like where they have to make quick decisions on the fly as possible. Shooting a hundred spot three pointers is great. And there's value to that, especially for the technical part of it as you're developing your skill. But as you incorporate movements, whether it's a backpedal, sliding, running, cutting, um, having to go one way, go come back the other way and still get your feet ready to shoot and make a quick decision. That's, you just try to make that incorporate in everything you do. If you look at the NBA, you know, when they do five on O dummy offense now, um, in the past, you just, a coach would say run play one, it would be five guys out there. They'd run through it. The end. Now, most teams have kind of um, video guys or, or coaches on the court to provide some form of defense, even though it's fake defense, um, just to force them to understand how to react in space. And I think it's so valuable to have um, more bodies out there where you realize you have to make decisions at a faster rate. Um, and then you really work on what is the right decision? How do I make that right decision and really break it down? It's, it's something that's not easy, but it's more important I think it's more important than any skill work you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's so huge. It, it's like, we can't expect them to get better at making this in-game decision. If we've removed the cues that they're actually going to have to read in the game, right? Like there's defense in the game that's determining when they should shoot it, where they should shoot it, all those things. And so if we take that away, it's like, well, well, yeah. Why would we expect them to be able to do that in the game? If, if they didn't actually have those factors, in practice when we were supposedly working on it to, to go a little bit deeper into that. I'd just love to know also what, what have you found in player development and in those workouts or even just more generally in your coaching to be some, some principles that you follow as far as giving effective feedback right? So you're in a player development working workout and you you're working on developing a certain decision or a skill. What are you focusing on as far as giving feedback to that player to help him improve? So I think, um, when you talk about development, one of the best books or speeches I heard was from Angela Duckworth in her book Grit, And I think it's chapter seven. She talks about deliberate practice. Um, and being able to have a plan for every practice setting or individual workout setting or whatever you want to call it. And, okay, so you have a plan in place. There are specific goals for this workout. This one hour of my time is going to be so focused on this thing, right? It's not going to be 24 different focuses and topics. It's going to be one or two. I know I'm going to get better at this, or at least I'm going to work towards improving at this. And um, I try to make our plans based on that kind of idea. So in an individual setting, here's what I want to improve in this setting. Then as the session goes on, 
let's look at ourselves and say, did we improve on that specific skill? For us right now at Stanford, we're really working on catching the ball ready to shoot. It sounds like such a simple, simple task. We, in the past, we've been really good at getting to the basket, driving the ball, getting to the rim, getting fouled, whatever it may be. We have not been a great three-point shooting team overall, especially last season. Um, and a large part of that is because we were so good at attacking the basket. Well, now we want to go from the point of, all right, we're going to be able to catch ready to shoot with the opportunity to shoot. And then we can attack the basket after that if it's not there. Again, that's one specific skill and decision that we're really focusing on during our off-season workouts. And, and again, when I say deliberate practice, we look at that. Okay, did we did we read uh, the defense's feet the right way today? If they play you this way, are you doing that? Or were we ready to shoot when they weren't all the way into you? And did we make shots in that, that realm? Again, that's the decision-making part that I think is fun to teach, fun to coach. Um, and, and it's really easy to get feedback from it quickly. The other part of this though, is the player has to be willing to hear the feedback and be willing to understand that the feedback is going to help them, you know, as they move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There are two things that really stood out. One, you said, yeah, we've got this plan for this, you know, development session or training session. And there's one or two things we're focused on getting better at. I think that's just so huge to narrow your focus, to not try to attack everything. Like if you coach everything, you're you're just going to coach nothing. Like nothing will, will really make progress. Um, and then, oh man, the second thing is slipping my mind now, but yeah, no, that that's really good. Oh, the fact that, yeah, you're working on being shot ready with, you know, division one college basketball players, like again, such a, a simple concept, but such a foundational habit, you know, like oftentimes we don't need to get more complex. We need to get really good at the simple things that happen a lot. Kind of, kind of shifting trains of thoughts. Uh, I'd love to know just a little bit about how, how you are intentional about your own growth. You mentioned reading Angela Duckworth's book, but um, tell me about what you do in your own coaching to grow and improve yourself. Yeah, it's really important to me. Um, I will say that every single year that I'm in coaching, it is amazing how much I learned from the year before, you know, that I didn't know the year before um, and everything from X's nose to dealing with players to you have so many new situations that come up every single year. So you're kind of learning on the fly, no matter if you've been in this business 35 years or 10 years or whatever it may be. Um, you have a, obviously a certain specific way of doing it, but uh, there's so many things to learn. And I, I love that about the business. It's one of my favorite parts about being in this is that I can always grow and get better. Um, from reading to going to clinics to watching videos, there is so many resources out there online now that allow us to, um, you know, just be able to learn and grow in different ways. Uh, you know, from listening to podcasts, uh, you know, Michael Gervais finding mastery podcasts. He did the deal with Pete Carroll um, a, a few years ago, and they actually have a class online that I, I took over quarantine uh, called Compete to Create. They had a book come out about that. Uh, Tim Kite and Brian Kite, you know, sports psychologist, sports performance coach, has a class called The R Factor, which I actually also took to kind of learn about, you know, um, handling, being able to respond to things better. Um and building culture and building teams. So just trying to find any ways to improve. And at the end of the day, improve our team. If there's something that I can bring back that may make sense for our culture and our team, 
that's the goal of it all. And uh, while still reading and getting better, um, all I will say this too, though, all of the amazing resources we have, um, you could spend so much time just reading and growing and trying to come up with all these ideas that you don't become an expert at anything. And I think that's important too, is not to get yourself spread too thin. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, here's my, my last question. And then I have a, a few rapid fire questions. Um, just talk about the importance of being mentored or finding a mentor as a coach and yeah, maybe how that's impacted you on your coaching journey. So I've, uh, I'll say this, like in basketball coaching, I'm sure it is in football or any other sport, you need people to look after you, right? We're in a cutthroat, tough business um, where you're tr- we're all trying to win at the highest level. We're all trying to get better, develop guys, recruit, the whole deal. So you need to have people that are willing to, you know, be there for you when you need someone to talk to be there for you for advice, um, jobs, anything can happen in this business. Uh, and for me, I've had a number of people that have really been influential and impactful in my life and in my coaching career. Um, whether it's friends from back home who had nothing to do with coaching family or people that I've really worked with and I've got to know from Josh Pastner, who uh, I worked with at Arizona. I was a student manager. He was an assistant coach. I look up to him so much. He's now the head coach at Georgia Tech. And I know that I can always call him for advice. Joe Pasternak, who I was a graduate assistant for at University of New Orleans, is now the head coach at UC Santa Barbara. Um, Coach Haas here. I mean, these are people that I know if I need something, they'll give me an unbiased point of view and keep me level-headed. And people that have have my best interests at heart, because at the end of the day, Coaching is a tough journey and a tough business, uh, but when you find the right people that can help you along the way, be there for you when you need it most, it really is impactful. Mm, that's really good. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, well, I, I got a few rapid fire questions for you. I just want to know the, the first things that come, come to your mind. Uh, here's the first one. The most fun part of coaching is dealing with players. Say more about that. There is nothing like seeing a player that you've know, you've put a ton of work into like have success. It's, it's the best. When you see a guy get drafted, I remember a couple of years ago, um, I was in the room watching the NBA draft with Casey Akpala with coach Haas. We're down in Los Angeles, gets drafted number 32 and just seeing those tears of joy. It's like, man, you actually had something to do with this and you were a part of that journey. Um, seeing them achieve greatness and is, is really, really fun. That's awesome. What a great answer. Here's my next one. I wish I would have known blank before my first coaching experience. How hard this was. Say more about that. So I love it. Like it, I say that and um, there's nothing I could see myself doing other than coaching. I really believe that my wife would say the same thing. There's that's, I don't know if I'm very good at anything else, but um Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to, you know, do well. So you're competing against in division one, 350 some odd teams or 12 teams in your conference that all of them are really good at what they do. And there's not one thing that I'm going to be that much better at than any, an assistant coach or a head coach at UCLA or whatever it may be. Right. Um, There are so many good coaches uh, 
that make our job in terms of winning and succeeding very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. My last rapid fire one, you might've answered it kind of in the, in the first one I asked, but if there's something else, I'd, I'd be curious to know it. My last one was just, I know I'm successful as a coach when. Uh, I know I'm successful as a coach when I am talking to players who I've coached from 10, 15, however many years ago. I mean, whether the first year I've been in coaching and staying in touch with these guys, I know I've done a good job at building those relationships and earning trust and having a true bond when I'm able to, you know, have real relationships with these guys over time. A great example, literally yesterday, I was texting with Nikola Vucevic, who I coached at um, USC, and that was in 2009 or 2010. So um, obviously he's had an unbelievable NBA career and that relationship is unbelievable to me just like a kid named isaac white who is playing now in australia who graduated from us a couple years ago and he was asking me for advice a couple days ago like though those are impactful relationships and all the places i've been i've been fortunate to stay in really close contact with the guys i've coached that's awesome yeah it makes it makes it special uh well coach this has been awesome before we hop off uh tell people how they can connect with you yeah, sure. Um, I'll give my email and my social media stuff. Email is a b as in boy Cohen C O H E N at Stanford.edu. Um, on Twitter, Coach Adam Cohen. Feel free to reach out anytime if I can help with anything. Talk coaching. If anybody's ever in the Bay Area and wants to stop by practice or workouts, just reach out. We'd love to have you guys. Awesome, well, Coach. This has been awesome. Appreciate your time a ton. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate you having me. Coaches, thanks for listening to this episode, and thanks again to Coach Cohen for coming on to the podcast. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and you want the podcast notes, go to coachesclubpod.com. I was really challenged by two things Coach Cohen shared. First, we have to be building trust with our athletes. If we want to have a voice that they'll listen to, it starts with our commitment to building trust. Second, we need to narrow our focus. Go into player development sessions, or practices for that matter, with a clear plan and a narrow focus. What are the one or two things you're focused on improving? Then stay focused on those things. Like I mentioned in the intro, if you want to learn more about how we support coaches, just check out the links and the show details. Thanks for listening to the Coaches Club podcast powered by Transform Sport, where we believe great coaches transform lives, athletes deserve great coaches, and coaches deserve great training. <laughs>